Hi friends, I'm Tierney. And I'm Shelby. And we're Dead, Dead Drunk. Hello friends. Hey guys. Shop. It's hot. (laughs) Oh, it's so hot. I can't even, like, (laughs) we need to do this fast so I can get to a room with air conditioning. (laughs) I tried to send a GIF earlier, or GIF, or however you say it, earlier today, just like, oh, what's my mood? And all of them were, it's hot. Mm -hmm. It's it's too hot. That's the theme of today, or this week, or month. (laughs) Yeah, I'm thankful to have... A family member with a pool because if, if I did yeah, me too. I would just be laying <laughs> in my room all the time. And also Katie. Katie's very much closer than my family member with a pool, so Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Katie has a nice pool. Yeah. So I'll be there at some point. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. If you're ready for this case, As you know from the title, we're talking about United Airlines Flight 629, which you may or may not know about. I heard about it from an investigation discovery show, as I hear about most things, called A Crime to Remember. This will come back for in the chaser. It'll be good. All right. It'll be really good. I promise. (laughs) A Crime to Remember sounds like a mix between A Walk to Remember that was my first thought, and my second thought was like emo me, like oh my god, a day to remember. Remember that band? Yes, <laughs> I used to love them. I hate this town. It's so washed up, and all my friends don't give a fuck. It's like okay, chill. <laughs> I think down. they also have a recent collaboration with Marshmallow. Do they really? Yeah, it's <laughs> really funny. <laughs> But that's what I thought too, and then I clicked on it. Turns out the theme of this show is it's just all crimes that happened in the past like that your grandma might remember (laughs) right no but in the 50s and 60s and that time era so the narrator is telling you like the first one the first episode of this series is alice crimmins and like who may or may not have killed her babies but it was like queens in the 50s or something or whenever (laughs) So the narrator's like, I was living up the... Bl- no, that's not it. Fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> that's <laughs> That not was it. Australian or some shit that just came out of my mouth. <laughs> that's wrong. She was like, I was living up the block from... Like, like, just went really hard into her Queen's accent that I apparently can't get into right now. But... <laughs> you did like a British accent. <laughs> I know. I don't know where it came from. My- <laughs> See? It's too hot. I don't know where things are. I could do it normally, uh, but a Queen's accent is just like, to me, just a heavy Italian accent. Oh, yeah, probably. Amer- Italian-American. Mm-hmm. But every all the narrators are like, I live down the street. I remember it happening. Okay. So- <laughs> Good for you. Good for you. So that's where I first heard this story. So since it's an airline, we're going to do... A drink that you could make on your next flight, which shouldn't be soon because coronavirus. Not on, <laughs> not on United Airlines at least because they're packing their flights now. But are they really? <laughs> yeah. Ugh. I hate that. Yep. Don't go anywhere. We don't need to travel <laughs> right now. Just don't stay at home. Yeah, stay at home. If you're gonna travel, travel in your car to like an Airbnb that nobody else is staying at. Yeah. That sounds. And good. then and then clean it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but anyway, if you need to fly, what you can do is order a Sprite. Um, well, first, you're going to want to pick up one of those small bottles of bourbon from whatever it's called. What is it called? The thing where you buy small stuff? The Nips? Yeah. Oh, the Judy Free Shop? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. That yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, you, or you could buy it I think at you the can, liquor store. Yeah, I think you can bring them in through security because they're under the amount of liquid. Yeah. 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 So you can buy them whenever you want. The nips, <laughs> which I didn't know they were called, honestly. <laughs> I didn't until Katie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. She's always got nips in her bag. Oh, yeah. yeah. 
And then you're going to want to order a Sprite on the plane. Or you can order equal parts club soda and simple syrup. I don't know if they have simple syrup, but I guess just bring some. Yeah, I think Sprite's the way to go. Yeah. Yeah, just order a Sprite. And then you're going to want to have two to four mint candies on you, depending on how spicy you want your drink. Just put a couple Tic Tacs in there and call it um, a mile high mint julep. Nice. I love that. That's so easy. Yeah. Who has time for mint? (laughs) (laughs) I honestly don't. Every time I'm like, ooh, I would really like a mojito. And then I'm like, but. I don't want to buy mint leaves. Mm-hmm. The fuck am I going to use those for other than mojitos? Yeah. And then they go bad so fast and then they just like shrivel up in your fridge. And it's like, mm-hmm. it's like, why did I even bother? If I'm not making like a like pitcher of mojitos, I'm not going to buy them. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, Tic Tacs last forever. So <laughs> <laughs> and you can carry them easily with you onto the plane or in any bag you want. Or wherever you are. Are you at work and there's a vending machine that sells Sprite and you have a nip in your bag and Tic Tacs? Guess what? (laughs) What an easy purse cocktail. There you go. (laughs) So now that that you have your drinks or your purse cocktail or where whatever your maybe it could be. Nope. We don't support car cocktails. Those are bad now. (laughs) So (laughs) now that you have your airplane ready cocktail, your cargo cocktail. Oh, cute. Love that. (laughs) Love that. Let's say that. Now that you have your cargo cocktail ready, are you ready for the case? Drink up, dead drunkies. (laughs) Here we go. On November 1st, 1955, see, I said 50s, 40 passengers and four crew members boarded United Airlines Flight 629 from Denver, Colorado to Portland, Oregon. Captain Lee Hall was a World War II veteran, assumed command of the flight for this leg of the journey. Somebody else flew it before. One passenger was a flight attendant using her vacation time to travel. I don't know why you would do that. That feels like still working. Yeah, right. But I guess she gets to sit, right? Don't you travel all the time? I feel like if I was on vacation from being a flight attendant, I would just like want to be home. I would just sleep probably. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) There was also a businessman traveling on his own, an older lady going to visit her daughter in Alaska, and a young woman bringing her son to meet his father for the first time. Oh. Yeah. The flight took off at 6.52 p.m., and just 11 minutes later, Stapleton air traffic controllers saw two bright lights in the sky north or northwest of the Stapleton airfield. According to the air traffic controllers, those lights shone for about 30 to 45 seconds before they fell to the ground at a similar speed. Like the same speed, both of them. The controllers immediately put out calls to all the aircrafts in the area and quickly determined that all flights were accounted for, except for flight 629. Telephone calls began coming in from people all over the Longmont area of Colorado reporting loud explosions and fiery debris falling from the sky. The November 2nd edition of the New York Times reported a direct account of the tragedy and what a witness heard that day. Quote, Conrad Hopp, a farmer who lives near the crash scene, said he and members of his family heard a big explosion. It sounded like a big bomb went off and I ran out and I saw a big fire right over the cattle corral. I hollered back to my wife that she'd better call the fire department and ambulance because a plane was going to crash. Then I turned around and it blew up in the air. Wait, so So the 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 plane exploded in the air? Yes. Holy moly macaroni. That's what and he saw it. And he wasn't the only one that saw it. A bunch of people in that area of Colorado saw it. Oh my god. And it was United Airlines Flight six twenty nine. All 44 people on board were killed instantly. Holy shit. So now came the difficult task of piecing together what had happened. First, they determined they needed to determine whether or not the plane simply came down or if the craft exploded in midair. And we know that it exploded in midair because Conrad Hopp saw it explode in midair. But they determined that because the debris was scattered across a wide area of land, it must have been an in-air explosion. Because if the aircraft had just come out of the sky... It would all be in one place. But all the debris was spread across six square miles of land. The aircraft suffered extensive in-air breakup to major portions of the wings, engines, and center sections were found in two craters 150 feet apart. According to fire patterns, the large load of fuel had ignited on impact. 
these fires were so intense that despite efforts to extinguish them, they continued to burn for three days. Oh, my God. Yeah. So ground searchers scoured over the land to gather every piece of the aircraft and the bodies. And now, in order to determine where the explosion came from, they would have to put it back together piece by piece. Like a big giant puzzle. Wow. After they had gathered all of the pieces of the aircraft, the Civil Aeronautics Board laid them out like like puzzle pieces in an empty warehouse in Denver to begin their investigation. They There are pictures of this where you can see all the different pieces lined up where they would have roughly been on the aircraft and it, it's pretty cool how they did it <laughs> and initially they were thinking there may have been some kind of malfunction on board and they speculated that the aircraft's fuel may have caused the explosion in the early days of air travel the fuel they used for planes was extremely volatile so it was incredibly possible yeah i feel like there's a bunch of like chemicals and and electricity things i don't i can't speak (laughs) electrical things on a plane that could go wrong yeah except that the explosion didn't appear to have originated from the fuel tank huh they were looking for pieces of debris that seemed to be blown outward since this would indicate that the explosion directly affected that piece of the aircraft which was kind of cool i don't know that i would have thought of that to look for first but obviously you're gonna look for the piece of metal that looks like it got blown out right right? yeah that makes sense (laughs) when i was watching the show and they said that i was like oh duh that didn't occur to me before they said it though it sounds like a nightmare to try to piece together though because i'm sure that there's debris like everywhere oh yeah it was across six miles and they have to gather all these different pieces yeah and then you know, like, remove whatever remains are in oh them. Oh, my God, yeah. The investigation found that the aircraft began to disintegrate near the empennage, which is just a fancy word for tail, <laughs> and the aft fuselage, which is a fancy word for some other part of a plane, had been shattered by a force strong enough to cause extreme fragmentation of that part of the aircraft. So it was a big explosion. So... They also reasoned that because the explosion was so intense, it was unlikely to have been caused by any kind of malfunction with a system or component of the plane. So what caused it? Yeah. Upon further investigation of the airplane pieces, four soot-covered pieces of an unusual sheet metal were discovered in the number four luggage compartment. Oh, no. Testing later proved that these pieces were contaminated with chemicals that were known byproducts of a dynamite explosion. In that same luggage compartment, they discovered some copper wiring that did not come from any part of the plane. The same copper wiring that one might use when crafting a dynamite bomb. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. So somebody brought that onto the plane on purpose. Oh, yeah. And that, and this was crazy to them because it, it had been done before in Canada, but... Not in America. Yeah, it's crazy to think that people can, like, at a, at one time could get away with literally bringing bombs onto planes and going undetected just because of how much security. And I know there wasn't that security then for airplanes, but it's just, like, crazy to think about. Yeah. It, since we've lived in a world where there's always been security yeah, at the airport. Yeah, since I was in, like, first grade. <laughs> right, <Yeah>. since 9-11. <laughs> well, there was security before that. More security than... <laughs> But not, yeah, not to the same extent, yeah. Right, yeah. Now we have the mega security. Thanks, Bush. Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'll probably cut this out, but I just always think of the Daniel Tosh joke where he's like, thank God for (laughs) 9-11. Because now when I drop my girlfriend off at the airport, I don't have to walk her to the (laughs) gate. (laughs) I <laughs> can just slow down and say goodbye. <laughs> Tuck and roll on your way out. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. That's so funny. <laughs> you should probably cut out that bush part too. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so once it was discovered that the explosion had originated in luggage compartment four, the FBI joined the investigation. They started by looking into the backgrounds of each and every person on board who they associated with, and whether or not they had recently purchased life insurance, which just sounds so incredibly taxing to me because there was no Google, so they just have to 
walk around Denver and see who knows who or or wherever these people are from. They They don't have to necessarily be from Denver, I guess. So many of the passengers had purchased life insurance just before their flight, since there was a coin-operated machine available right in the terminal to purchase life insurance. Luckily, the potential bombers had already been narrowed down by the fact that the explosion had originated in the number four luggage compartment. The FBI, after they looked into their backgrounds, they were like, oh, who bought life insurance? Almost everybody. Then they thought, who had luggage? Which was smart. Yeah. Flight six. And this was the best part. Flight 629 had actually originated in New York's LaGuardia Airport. And then made its scheduled stop in Chicago before continuing to Denver's Stapleton Airfield on that day. One of the luggage crew members in Chicago had sent a message to those in Denver noting that he had lost his keys for the number four compartment. So it wasn't used for the plane's travel from Chicago to Denver. That meant that all of the luggage in compartment four was from those passengers that boarded in Denver. I just got chills. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, so this is the compartment under the plane with the luggage, right? Mm -hmm. Not the like overhead compartments. Yeah. Okay. After checking the records from baggage, it was discovered that only three passengers had checked bags on the evening of November 1st. And only one of those bags was heavy enough to have held a bomb. I got chills again. Holy shit. Who was it? Who was it? It was the luggage belonging to the older woman flying to Alaska to visit her daughter, Daisy Eldora King. No. Daisy was among the list of passengers who had purchased the cheapest life insurance policy before the flight, which only heightened the investigator's suspicions of the 53-year-old local woman. Daisy King had two children. Her eldest was her daughter from her first marriage, who now lives in Alaska. And Daisy's first marriage to her daughter's father didn't work out, and so she married again. This time, she gave birth to a boy and named him John Gilbert Graham, or Jack Graham for short. Graham was born on January 23rd, 1932, in the height of the Great Depression, so times were already tough. And then in 1937, when Graham's father died from pneumonia and left Daisy, her daughter, and five-year-old Jack Graham to struggle in poverty, Daisy had to send Graham off to live in an orphanage. Oh. Yeah. In 1941, Daisy remarried for a third time to Earl King, who unfortunately died shortly after they were wed. Maybe it wasn't so unfortunate because then Daisy used the inheritance she got from her late husband to become a successful businesswoman. How did Earl King die? I don't know. Was it a suspicious death? (laughs) Daisy. I don't think that she killed him, but I just think it was rather fortunate yeah i mean she was gonna be fine regardless because she had married him so they shared that wealth kind of i guess but when he died she got all of it and could do what she wanted with it damn so she became a successful businesswoman good for her but now that she was rich you would think that she would go and get her son out of the orphanage right if she was a nice person (laughs) yeah But I guess we're finding out she wasn't based on the fact she had a fucking bomb in her luggage. Yeah. So she didn't get Graham out of the orphanage and he remained estranged from his mother until 1954 when Graham was 22 and Daisy asked him to help her run her successful restaurant, the Crown A Drive-In in Denver. Daisy also moved into the basement of the home that Graham then shared with his wife. Okay, so she was like, I don't want you. And then the minute she needs something, she's like, it's me, your mother. Yeah, it's and Graham was like just a like, complete okay. flip. Like, oh, I don't want you. And then I want only you. Like, it, it was kind of, it was kind, not only you, but I want m- way more of you than I wanted before, you know? Yeah, I want you to help me with my restaurant and I want you to let me live in your house. Yeah, it's all, it's going from neglect to smothering all yeah. of a sudden. Yeah, it, it was crazy. But when the feds found Daisy's handbag in the wreckage, they discovered a number of newspaper clippings with stories detailing her son's 1951 arrest on the charge of embezzlement by check forgery. Huh. Yeah, so he wasn't so great either. After doing some more digging, investigators discovered that Graham had also served 60 days in a Texas prison for the illegal transport of whiskey. Which is why if you're not drinking the Mile High Mint Julep, you should at least be drinking whiskey. 
Mm. They also learned that despite having reunited, Graham and Daisy were not on good terms. Witnesses told investigators that the two were often seen fighting either at their home that they shared or at the restaurant where they worked together. There's like too much time together. Yeah. If that wasn't enough, there was also the mysterious explosion that had happened at the restaurant earlier that year. The Crown A drive-in was severely damaged in 1955 by a suspicious explosion, and oddly enough, the insurance settlement went to Jack Graham. Huh. Yeah. So federal agents then conducted a search of Graham's house and automobile. They found the same copper wire found in luggage compartment four, as well as other bomb-making parts in the garage. So it was it was Graham. Yeah. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. Which is just insane. (laughs) In addition to these pretty damning pieces of evidence, hidden behind a dresser, they discovered additional life insurance policies on Daisy that Graham had purchased in the terminal just before the plane's departure. The policies totaled $37,500, which today would equal $357,900. However, Daisy had not signed any of these policies, making them worthless. Well... (laughs) (laughs) Good, but also Graham's an idiot. Yeah. (laughs) He was probably going to forge her signature. Yeah, I mean, we know already that he was into forgery, (laughs) so. Right, he'd done it before. He's probably a little bit good at it. Oh, maybe he's not good at it. He was caught. He couldn't have just killed his mom. Like, like, I mean, that would be horrible, but, like, why do you have to kill, like, 43 other innocent people? Yeah. Well... Yeah, that's a really good question for him. Unfortunately, he can't answer that for you, but... (laughs) Faced with that new evidence and his contradictory statements from the interviews that he gave to police, Graham broke down and confessed to planting the bomb in his mother's luggage on November 13th, 1955. That's when he confessed. He bombed her 12 days earlier. Well, he bombed the plane (laughs) 12 days earlier. Graham told FBI agents previously that Daisy had packed her own suitcase, as she always insisted upon doing. Graham's wife revealed that he had wrapped a surprise present for his mother and snuck that into her luggage on the morning of November 1st. A surprise present. Yeah. That is not a present, Graham. (laughs) He thought it was. It was a surprise. (laughs) I wonder if she like left with the suitcase and was like, goodbye, off to the airport. And he like was like, oh, shit, what did I do? Oh, he actually drove her to the airport. Okay, well, I wonder if she got off the the out of the car and was like, "Goodbye." I don't I don't think he I was like, ever shit, I can't. Nah. I did it already. It's done. And just like I don't think he ever had that thought. He actually he set the bomb up on a timer to explode approximately 40 minutes after takeoff. This ideally would cause the plane to explode while it was over the Rocky Mountains, which in Graham's mind would have made it really difficult to find all of the pieces and put it back together. I mean, it was really easy for them. It took them 12 days to get him. Yeah. If it had exploded in the Rocky Mountains, they might have never figured it out. So his calculations were just not correct. Well, he ran into a couple obstacles. He he did make sure to leave his house with his mother with just enough time to get her on the plane to line up the timer correctly. But... First, when they got to the airport, while checking Daisy's bag, it came up 37 pounds overweight, which meant that she would have to unpack some things or pay a $27.82 baggage surcharge. She had reportedly said something like, oh, it's just presents. It's fine. But Jack convinced her to just pay the fee. Meaning that the suitcase wouldn't be open. Nobody would look inside. Just pay the fee. He told her, you will probably need all of that stuff in Alaska. And she believed him. Asshole. 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 Well, then, this he couldn't control at all. The plane was unexpectedly delayed by more than 30 minutes. Which is why it came down in farmland instead of in the mountains. Sucks to suck, John Gilbert Graham. (laughs) (laughs) yeah so building off of that john gilbert graham was arrested and charged with sabotage after his arrest 
Gene Amol, the owner of the Denver radio station KDEN, and Maury Engel, a photographer from the Rocky Mountain News, arranged to sneak a camera into the jail for an interview with Graham while he was reuniting with his wife, Gloria. Graham told them, quote, I loved my mother very much. She meant a lot to me. It's very hard for me to tell exactly how I feel. She left so much of herself behind. I almost you are a dick (laughs) you literally murdered her and he's like oh I just loved her so much fuck you (laughs) good try then a mole asked that's literally his last name it's uh (laughs) he wasn't like a mole (laughs) he wasn't a mole that could talk and ran a radio station in Denver that would be way cooler and obviously would be what we were talking about no (laughs) I meant like somebody that was like planted to like get his confession like a mole (laughs) it's not either of those things yours more likely you just went straight to the (laughs) okay now I can't say a mole without laughing so let's call him by his first name Gene so when Gene asked why he had signed a confession, Graham claimed that the FBI had threatened to go after his wife, Gloria, for the inconsistencies in her statements to the authorities. Gene and Engel attempted to sell the filmed interview, but none of the Denver TV stations would air it. Gene believed that this was due to their fear that it, quote, might engender pre-trial sympathy for Graham. Okay. I don't no, think that it would have. Okay. <laughs> Decades later, the footage did air in a local PBS documentary called Murder in Midair. Despite that attempt to discredit his confession, Graham had confirmed his involvement on a number of other occasions. Graham described the bomb with details that no one other than the investigators or the bomber would know. You know, like you can't describe how a bomb was timed or how it was made or how it would go off without knowing Without being the one that did it. Or having made the bomb. Yeah. He also told prison doctors that he, quote, realized that there were about 50 or 60 people carried on a DC-6, which is the type of aircraft used. But that number of people to be killed made no difference to me. It could have been a thousand. When their time comes, there is nothing they can do about it. What a piece of garbage. Yeah, he's a literal piece of human garbage. Yeah. That Daisy tried to throw away and honestly should have left in the trash. For Graham's trial, Colorado became the first state to officially sanction the use of television cameras to broadcast criminal trials. And this trial became one of the first in the country to be televised. Oh, that's cool. Eh, probably. (laughs) (laughs) Now they're on Facebook Live. Yeah. It, it is kind of cool, but I I don't know that it was an especially exciting trial, you know? it's. I'm sure it was just because of the amount of oh, it was, victims. It was definitely but. because it was never seen before. We had never had anything like this happen in this country before this. At the time of the trial, there was actually no federal law that made blowing up an airplane a crime. So what the fuck <laughs> really? Well, I he murdered all these people. But they never thought that someone would blow up an airplane because why would you? What is the what is the point? So yeah. but now we know that Now it happens all the time. Now we know there doesn't have to necessarily be a point. You could just want to. Yeah. So the Colorado DA made the decision to prosecute Graham for the premeditated murder of a single victim, his mother, Daisy King. So now he's on trial for first degree murder. Graham attempted to recant his confession, but his defense is ultimately unable to argue against the prosecution's massive amount of evidence, including his signed confession. In February 1956, Graham attempted suicide in his cell and afterwards was placed under 24-hour surveillance because this was back in the day when 24-hour surveillance meant that you wouldn't be murdered in your cell. Yeah. uh, (laughs) (laughs) Shit. Thank you. (laughs) I've seen him kill himself. (laughs) And what's her name? 
get Max Maxwell didn't kill herself. Maxwell, <laughs> not yet, but like, if it happened, she didn't do it. <laughs> anyway, Sandra Bland also didn't kill herself. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Just putting that out there. <laughs> A few months later, upon completion of the trial on May 5th, 1956, it took the jury just one hour to come back with their verdict, which is why I just don't think it would have made really riveting television. But (laughs) Graham was convicted of the murder of his mother and sentenced to death. On January... Yeah. Right. (laughs) It's about time. He was only convicted with murdering his mother. He was not convicted of all the other murders. Because there was no federal law against mass murdering people (laughs) oh i know i know but that's why they originally charged him with sabotage because there was no law dictating whether or not you could mass murder people in the air so that's insane to me yeah i was gonna say something about the sabotage thing but so they could have so they knew they could get him for premeditated murder so that's what they charged him with and as they, long as he's sentenced to death, because he deserves that. Well, they secured that for you. You're welcome. <laughs> On January 11th, 1957, John Gilbert Graham was executed in the Colorado State Penitentiary gas chamber. It wasn't even like a nice put to death, like lethal injection or electric chair. Not that electric chair is probably great, but it sounds quick. It was a gas mm-hmm. chamber. So. Good. <laughs> so he suffered. He deserves to suffer. Graham's final words on the bombing were, quote, as far as feeling remorse for these people, I don't. I can't help it. Everybody pays their way and takes their chances. That's just the way it goes. That's just the way it is. In his mind, he just feels like these people were going to die anyway. So, like, whatever. He sucks. Yeah, he really, really, really sucks. So many believe that his inheritance was Graham's ultimate motivation for the bombing, which would include not only the insurance settlements, but also Daisy's restaurant, the Crown A Drive-In, which was very successful before the bombing and and after the, the bombing, but after they recovered from the bombing. However, Graham's ulterior motive was his deep-rooted hatred for his mother, which is justified hatred but i don't think it justifies the murder of 43 other people right like this was the way that you had to you you couldn't just bomb your mom's house no i mean he lived there too so no so no but essentially one son's hatred and greed caused america's first mass murder in the air just one guy i hate that one guy yeah burn in hell graham It also brought about such changes as the removal of the insurance machines from airports and screenings for all aircraft passengers, which is great. So next time you have to go through an intense screening, you could either thank John Gilbert Graham or any of the hundreds of plane bombings or crashes since then. He's the original. The the OG (laughs) piece of garbage. The OG mass murderer. Damn. What a grand pile I can't believe of I didn't shit know this story. Me neither. When I <laughs> yeah. when I first heard about it in a crime to remember, which leads us to our chaser. But first, let us tell you what you can do if you want to hear more cases like this, or suggest cases, or just suggest other investigation discovery shows that we don't know about that we should be watching. You can email us at. Deadrunkpod at gmail.com. You could share pictures of your cargo cocktail from this case or any other cocktails you're drinking. We love to drink with you. And you can share those pictures with us on our Instagram at Dead Drunk Crime. You can tweet at us. We do have a Twitter. We don't tweet very often, but we would if you tweeted us <laughs> at Dead Drunk Crime. Also, fun note about Twitter. If you're having trouble getting in touch with the unemployment office, DM their Twitter account. That's how I got through. Oh, so, nice. Yeah. They'll give you a call within a few business days. Cool. Yeah. That's how you do it now. <laughs> Times have changed. So <laughs> what's left? Oh, you can check out <laughs> You can check out fun pictures that Tierney puts together and guess the case for each week on our Facebook page at Dead Drunk, a True Crime Podcast. You could also do that on Insta, but Facebook's but, you know. also fun. 
And also, you can dive further into the case by following these sources. You can also just watch Investigation Discovery. We're not sponsored, but maybe we will be we sometime. Be. <laughs> we're either going to be sponsored or we're going to receive a cease and desist. I'm not <laughs> sure yet. <laughs> either way, I just love to get in touch with Investigation Discovery. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you can get in touch with, well... Yeah, you can get in touch with us through the website or explore this case more or check out some of our previous cases. Check out written out cocktail recipes, which are really just copied from sources. But (laughs) (laughs) But you can check all of that out on our website at deaddrunkpodcast.com. And that's all of our... No, you always forget the Patreon. We have a Patreon. There is too much for me to remember. I know. <laughs> but Israel Keys, patreon.com slash dead drunk. Also merch in the show notes. Right. Those are all, all of the these things. things are in the show See, notes. See, this is why there were two of us. Because you don't one have of to us listen will to forget. Us. <laughs> Just scroll down to the show notes and all the links for everything is there. So Yeah. So now we're into the chasers. So I thought it would be a really good idea to give you the names of investigation discovery shows. And see if you can guess what the premise is. Oh so like gosh, I told I you this. about A Crime to Remember. And right. that one focuses on crimes that happened in the 50s, 60s, 70s. Crimes that like your grandparents would tell you about, I guess. Right. So I'll give you the name. And then you try and tell me like the general idea of the show. Evil Lives Here. Um, Is it about... Like somebody in your family that's a criminal? That's pretty close. Somebody that lives in your house? Yeah. Okay. It's it's the true stories of people who lived with the killer. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Deadly women. I'm going to guess it's all women murderers. Yeah. Love that. Okay. See no evil. Blind murderers. <laughs> <laughs> We've actually talked about this show before. This is a series about how real crimes are solved with the help of surveillance cameras. Oh, I get it. Like, see. Yeah. Okay. But it says see no evil. I like your blind murder (laughs) idea better, though. How many blind murderers do you think exist? I don't know. Should we give it a gook? Yeah. How many blind murderers exist? I wonder if anyone's ever Googled this before. Uh, blind criminals. Ooh, a list of visually impaired criminals from Ranker. <laughs> Maybe we should cover one. Omar Abdel Rahman, the blind sheik. What? <laughs> oh, he had a role in the World Trade Center bombing. Oh my God, asshole! Why? <laughs> Why? Yvonne Slighthome. She's convicted of murdering her ex-fiance's new wife. Oh shit. Oh, she could see fine when she murdered, though. Oh, damn. <laughs> Not that I mean. <laughs> oh, Rosemary Cox was legally blind when she murdered her boyfriend after finding out about his relationship with another woman. I'm just picturing her, like, literally stabbing in the dark. Just like, <laughs> come here. <laughs> come closer to me. Ugh. <laughs> Did that hit you? <laughs> we're, we're awful people. <laughs> I just really didn't think, like, why why bother? Uh, can you imagine being blind in prison? That sounds terrible. Why would you do that? Yeah, I don't know. So, anyway, no, it's not about blind people. But maybe Investigation Discovery should start up a show about blind people murdering. ID, if you want to hire us, <laughs> we will we will do it. <laughs> <laughs> you could call it Blind and Brutal. Ooh. Love that. <laughs> I'm really good at coming up with names that should be investigation discovery <laughs> show. <laughs> All right. This one's pretty easy. Fatal vows. Um, I'm guessing it's people who murdered their husband or wife. Yeah. Sweet. Okay. Fear thy neighbor. Criminal neighbors? Yeah. Murders that were committed by a victim's neighbor like the neighbor murdered that neighbor blah 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 blah. 
gives a whole new meaning to the girl next door. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's one too. (laughs) No, no, no. That one's called Nightmare Next Door. Uh, Okay. I was only doing current investigation discovery shows. Oh, also some of these are Oxygen because Oxygen has some really great names for their shows. All right. So the ones at the end are on Oxygen. Okay. But I guess that's okay. Uh, Oxygen has some really good shows. I'm so just kidding. yeah, I, know, I agree. <laughs> okay. The murder tapes. Um murders that were tape recorded. Or video yeah, recorded. I'll, yeah, I'll give that to you. It they use the footage from the investigation, so confessions and interviews. Oh okay. Show. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, this one when I heard about it, I was like, what the hell is that about? So it's called American Monster. Is it about people in the military that no, are murderers? That, no, but that was a really good guess. Oh, thank you. <laughs> it's it's a series that tells the stories of killers using their home videos. Oh shit. Yeah, that one's really creepy. I need to watch that. That sounds yeah. That sounds literally so terrifying. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Okay. Yeah, it's yeah, and I had no idea what it was gonna be, but the preview for it shows you a bunch of different home videos, and you're like, oh, like America's home videos, or like, oh, okay. Yeah. Weird oh though. God. Really creepy. Yeah. So the next one is the killer beside me. Is that also like a husband wife one, or no? Um, is it like a brother sister one? No. Is it? Uh, your people at work? Yeah. People you work with that are murderers that you sit next yeah, to. Yeah, it's work? coworkers. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> okay, murder comes to town. Who is it? People that moved into a new neighborhood and decided to murder everybody. No, but that's what I would guess. It's just cases in small town America. Oh. Yeah. (laughs) I guess it's just using the word town in their title. Gotcha, yeah. I feel like this one was named and their meeting was like, oh, we got to put like town in the title. How about murder (laughs) comes to town? Eh. I wonder how many other titles they went through. (laughs) I'd love to see their- Murder town. (laughs) Murder town. (laughs) Murder, Murderville. Ooh. Murder. Murderville, USA. There you go. There we go. All right. I don't know if you get this one. Swamp murders. Is it all murderers in Florida? No. That would be a really long show. It it would be. And some unresolved, probably. It's just like, I don't know what happened. An alligator, maybe? (laughs) (laughs) No, this show focuses on murders that involve swamps, bogs, marshes, bayous, and riverbeds. How many are there of those? I don't know, but there are <laughs> swamps in Georgia and Louisiana too, so I guess yeah, it, I g- it could be multiple states. But again, I don't know how long this show is going to run for. I don't <laughs> <laughs> All right, this one, I actually really like the show. It's called Web of Lies. Ooh. A web. Uh, is it the internet? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> First, I was gonna say like Black Widow, like <laughs> web. <laughs> it's all spiders. That's a People cool that name. Murdered That's by a cool spider. name. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, and it's really cool. Some of them were solved using the internet, and some of them were caused by you know like relationships people met through the internet. So gotcha. it's cool. All right, so now now we're getting into the oxygen shows. <clears throat> okay, I'm ready. Homicide for the holidays. Stop it. <laughs> that sounds like a Hallmark movie. It's, it's one of my favorite oxygen shows. It only airs in the holiday season, and it's so good. And it's just about like murders that happen during the holidays? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's no place like... Homicide for the holidays. <laughs> <laughs> I wish they would rewrite jingles for it, but like the 
the title card is like a murderer coming out of a house with all these Christmas lights on it. <laughs> it's like Home Alone, but if they were murderers. But, but Michael Myers isn't in the house. That's oh what it looks God. like. <laughs> all right. This next one might be too hard. Killer couples. Ooh, I have a feeling that it might be a couple. Yeah. That has a murderer that kills the other couple. The other part of the couple. Oh, no. They don't kill the other part of the couple. Oh, they kill people together. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Every time I watch this, I just like if it comes on live or if I'm bored and I put it on the live Hulu, Hulu will be like, do you want to watch more of this? Here's Gypsy Rose and Nick. That's the first episode of this whole show. Okay. <laughs> just in case you needed some. That's the jumping off point. Uh. <laughs> um, buried in the backyard. <laughs> is, <laughs> is it is it murderers who buried people in their backyard? It's um yeah, it's murder stories where the victim was found buried in the backyard. Yeah, okay. I think it could be either the murderer's backyard or their backyard, but they're in the backyard. <laughs> they're in someone's backyard. <laughs> they are not barbecuing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Uh Mark of a Killer. Mark of a Killer. Is it about killers who tattoo their victims? <laughs> <laughs> How many of those do you think there are? Is it is it about only murderers that are named Mark? there's just like (laughs) all really good guesses all good guesses it's about it focuses on killers who take souvenirs from crime scenes oh interesting and presumably that's used to solve the case this one i haven't watched but it always comes up like mark of a killer and i'm like "Mm, no thanks it reminds me of the wet bandits not to talk about (laughs) home alone again but (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they it's would be a calling in here. card. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the wet bandits would be on that show if they had murdered somebody. <laughs> All right, so this next show is called Murdered by Morning. So, is it people that are murdered o- during the night in their homes? Yeah. The focus is that they don't know this is their last night, but it's their last night. Oh my god, that's very morbid. <laughs> yeah. No, not that the other ones weren't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this one's less so. This show's called In Ice Cold Blood. In Ice Cold Blood. Murders happening in cold weather climates. That was a good guess. But I think that show might be called In Cold Blood, and that might be on Investigation Discovery. This one is called In Ice Cold Blood because it's hosted by Ice T. No, it's not. Yes, it is. Oh, what? (laughs) What does he do? Does he just like? I think he just narrates. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just like trying to hear Ice T doing like doing a true crime podcast, (laughs) basically. I was when I saw the commercial for that. I was like, "Why him?" And then, but I think he was on some show, right? He was I on. Know. I don't. I don't know what he does. For a long time, I thought it was Iced Tea. Like I thought that was his name. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here he is. Oh, did you know his real name is Tracy? No, I do now. Tracy Marrow. <laughs> That's he was in Law lame. and Order. Oh yeah, so that's why. Okay, but like. So that's that one. I want to watch uh, that one. <laughs> Me too. I just want to see what his how his role plays out <laughs> in the show. Yeah. So our next show is Killer Siblings. Do they kill their siblings? No, they're siblings who kill. Their siblings are killers. They're siblings who kill. Oh. All right. We were close, though. 
It was either one or the other. We only have one more. Okay. Okay. This one's called License to Kill. Ooh, is it people that kill people with their cars? No. Do you <laughs> want to take another guess? Um, is it James Bond? What? What? <laughs> isn't isn't there a isn't 007? What is 007? Yeah, but this is a true crime show on oxygen. What would James Bond? You mean like murders that might have happened on the set of James Bond? Just like James, just like the James Bond movie. <laughs> no. Okay. Do you want to know what it is? Yeah. All right. So it's a show that focuses on murders committed by licensed professionals like doctors or nurses. Uh, I liked my two better. <laughs> I do like your people driving cars to murder people. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people were murdered by cars. <laughs> So that was that was our chaser, which I I'm sure you didn't need because we just talked about big old pile of shit, John Gilbert Graham today. Ugh, he was such a pile of shit. Yep. <laughs> I do like the older ones though, because I feel like there's been it's been so much time that we can be a little more lighthearted about them, even though they're like. <laughs> <laughs> terribly yeah. horrible things do you know what i mean it's, yeah it still is sad and for me it was pretty interesting to learn that this was america's first it's not the first mass murder but it's the first it's like the reason mass murder that... in the air yeah and it's the reason that people started looking at airlines like oh should we have tougher safety regulations yeah this is kind of dangerous yeah yep so <laughs> yep it is but oh. if you do get bombed in the air, it's not your fault. Because, I mean, John Gilbert Graham wants you to believe that you have taken that risk upon yourself. So no. if he killed you, it's cool. Except for if you go on an airplane now during COVID when you don't have to and then you get COVID and die, um, it's your fault. Stay home. Yeah. Getting COVID because you went on an airplane is your fault. Getting bombed on an airplane is not your fault. Stay home. Wear a mask. And don't talk to anybody named John Gilbert Graham. No. <laughs> Thank you and good night. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you for coming to my TED talk. <laughs> also, right. don't don't bomb a whole plane if you just want to kill your mother. Just <laughs> just kill your mommy. <laughs> All right, bye, mom. <laughs> Best wishes. Regards. <laughs>